Well, today we will again be taking a look at Genesis chapter 26. We were in Genesis 26 last week, but you can go ahead and open your Bibles up there. Genesis chapter 26. Last week we looked at verses uh, 1 through 6, and we then spent some time talking about the topic of peace, and more specifically, how we can live this life that we now have with peace in our hearts, with God ruling in our lives. We saw where Isaac and Rebekah had gone through a time of famine, but instead of running to the place where there was material abundance for them, instead we saw where Isaac just simply obeyed the voice of God and stayed in the land where God had put him. He didn't run to the place of physical comfort, but instead he decided to stay where he was by faith in God. And oftentimes we talked a little bit about this last week, and I'm going to kind of reiterate a lot of what I talked about last week, but oftentimes it's easy for us to take the easy road than the right road, the road that God has prepared for us. It's easier for us just to to go in the way that seems right, seems comfortable for us, when God may be calling us out to go a different way. And you know, as followers of the Lord, we must keep in mind that He and He alone is is most high. He is all-knowing. You see, we know these things about God, but sometimes when the rubber meets the road, we don't put these things into practice in our lives where God is real in our lives and he's Lord of our lives, right? The thoughts, though, of our carnal minds, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go on, and I did touch on that a lot last week, but the thoughts of our carnal minds are never equal with the thoughts of our God, right? Nor are the ways of our carnal flesh equal with the ways of God. So as I taught you all last week, we need to make sure that we're not carnally minded people, but rather that we are spiritually minded people, that that's what we seek on a daily basis. Because when we have a relationship with the Lord God, in other words, it's not just a religion to us, we have a relationship with him, then he is our Lord and we seek him on a daily basis to do his will within our lives, to go where he leads us to go and to stay there until he moves us, right? Following in the ways of the comforts of this world will never lead you into the will of God. God will always challenge your faith to step out and to go in a different direction, a way that is pleasing to him. And we'll get into that more as we go as well. But let's go ahead and just go back here in Genesis chapter 26. We'll go ahead back to verse 1, even though we covered those verses last week. But just we'll start reading in verse 1. There was a famine in the land besides the famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you for to you and your descendants I give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. 
Verse seven, and the men of the place asked about his wife. And he said, she is my sister. For he was afraid to say she is my wife because he thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebecca because she is beautiful to behold. Now, does this story sound kind of familiar? Right? Didn't Isaac's daddy, Abraham, pull this same trick a couple of times? You remember us reading about that? Abraham did the same thing, right? Well, in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, you don't need to turn there, but this is what popped into my mind when I read this. But chapter one, Solomon in Ecclesiastes, he made the statement where he said that that which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. And oftentimes, right, even in our lives, stupid mistakes get repeated time and time again, especially when we're living, being led by our carnal minds, right? In this case, it was the old, you could call this like father, like son, right? And even today we see children walk in the ways of their parents and make some of the same mistakes and things like that. But again, there is a remedy for this. There is a remedy for this this kind of thing. And the remedy is to be spiritually minded, right? Not seeking our own good or what we think is right to do at the time, but rather trusting in God and seeking first the kingdom of God as Jesus instructed us to do as we discussed last week. Again, we must keep in mind that God's plans supersede everything else. And God wants us in a place where we live a life that exemplifies an attitude that says, not my will, but your will be done, oh God. Not my will, but your will be done. This kind of total and absolute surrender, a life that is lived like that is what brings us to that place where we read about last week where Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow, where we don't worry because we're just trusting in God and everything, right? But each and every day, there is a battle for the control of our minds. And we can take the the steering wheel of this life, we can take the, the reins of this life, right? And we can make sure that we are in control with our minds fixed on our own desires, or we can allow for Satan, who the Bible calls the God of this age, the the ruler of this present darkness, to control our minds with fear and doubt, and where we make decisions that are irrational and and not in in, you know, accordance with the word of God, or we can be spiritually minded, right, with our minds stayed on God. And as we studied the scripture last week, he keeps them in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him. And we got to realize that this is a battle. This is something that we must choose to do. We must make a decision to do. We must fight the fight of faith to say, I'm going to walk in a way that is in accordance with the word of God and his will and his desires for me. And it's right there for us, written in black and white and red in our Bibles, right? It's written there for us. So on one hand here, we have Isaac obeying God in verse six and doing exactly what God told him to do. And on the other hand, in verse seven, we have Isaac behaving as his father did and trying to concoct a plan that demonstrated that he was controlling his own life, that he was in control. 
right? Because one thing we know for sure is that God was not going to let anything happen to Rebekah. Rebekah would be the mother of Jacob from whom would come God's chosen people. The Israelites would come from Jacob and Rebekah would be the mother of Jacob and Isaac would be the father as we've already seen, right? And for you and me today, as we learn from this and apply it to our lives, we can trust that God has a plan for our lives as well. Each and every one of us that have submitted our lives and committed our lives to Christ, we've submitted our lives and committed our lives to his will, we can rest assured that his will will be done. Let's look at some New Testament verses for a few moments. Go ahead and mark this page. Turn toward the back of your Bibles and find the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter one. Goes if you'll find 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, then Galatians, Ephesians, and then Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. Again, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians are kind of bigger books to find, and it's after that, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. And this is the Apostle Paul who had written this letter to a group of believers that were in the city of Philippi. And Philippians chapter 1, and starting in verse 1, it says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, verse six there is the verse that I wanted you to see here this morning. God's plan will unfold in your life. You can completely trust in that fact. If you have submitted your life to Christ, if you are seeking to know him, to grow in the knowledge of him, you are placing him as the priority in your life, then this has only happened as a result of him beginning a good work within you. It's because he began this good work in you that you're in that place. And again, you can be confident that he will complete that work that he started in you. There is no need for us to go through this life worry about this or that or concocting our own plans through this life, right? There's no need for us to do that kind of thing like we see Isaac doing, how he's telling this lie here in Genesis chapter 26, right? We don't need to do this kind of things because we can trust in the fact and rest assured in the fact that God's plan will unfold in our lives if we are submitted to him. If we just trust in him, with all of our hearts. We simply must be willing to be submissive to his will. And again, how do we know his will? We know his will from his word. 
by studying his word and seeing what he has written for us, right? And we, we see, we can go back to the Old Testament like we're doing now and read some of the Old Testament books, which the New Testament tells us those were written for our learning, that we can learn from them and understand what they did and the decisions they made. Again, you've heard me say, it's not perfect people in the Bible. If, if the Bible were written by men who wanted the book to be a, you know, a, some kind of holy book, but man, it was all inspired by man, they would leave a lot of these stories out. They wouldn't show Abraham lying, Isaac lying. They wouldn't show all, a lot of the stuff that was in there. But in the Bible, God has given us a portrait of real people, people that make dumb mistakes just like we do, people that walk through life and trip up and stumble, who need a God, who need a Lord. And each and every one of us here need a Lord. We need, we need that guidance through this life, right? But you know, there is a question that many believers in Jesus struggle with in this life. And that question is, is how do we know what our role is when it comes to the will of God? What is our part to play in it? Okay. Can we just sit around and do nothing? No, because the fact of the matter is, right, is that first of all, what we're discussing here this morning, when we talk about what we've talked about for the last couple of weeks about submission, about having peace, about seeking God. All of these things are internal things, okay? They're not external, right? Take this example that we see back there in Genesis where Isaac does the same thing that his father did and he makes up a lie about who his wife is, right? Well, where does that lie come from? And why are we sometimes tempted to do the same kind of thing in this life, right? Where does that come from, right? Well, a lie is obviously not an external thing. It doesn't just fall upon us and people read it off of us, right? It comes from within us. Jesus said himself, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's true with all of us. Out of the abundance of the heart, our mouth speaks. So if we speak a lie, if we speak hurtful words to others, right, which all of us can fall into, we are being led at that point by our carnal minds, right? There are mistakes that we make like that in this life. There are things that we trip up and do wrong. But the answer, again, is to daily seek, continue to seek to be spiritually minded, right? But there's no two ways about it. When we do things like that, when we say wrong things or act out in the wrong way, these things come from within our hearts. So the battle that we need to deal with is not an external battle. It is an internal battle. What's going on inside of us that causes us to behave in this way? Or what's happening in our lives that makes us this way? That makes us act out in anger or rage or do this or that, right? What is it? And we need to seek to find these things out and say, God, what do you want to show me? What, what is it that you want to get out of me? Because it's an internal thing. It's not an external thing. Turn now to Ephesians chapter 6. It's right before Philippians, if you found Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, then Philippians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 is probably only one page back from where you were. And looking at verse 10, again, I'm, I'm going to reiterate that I'm talking about the battle that we must fight is an, ex, 
is not an external battle, right? It's an internal battle. There's things that, that are attacking us internally that we've got to fight the battle with, right? Finally, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And think about that, right, for a minute. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. How many times do we have so many problems in, in life where we point the finger at another person and say, he's the problem, she's the problem, they're the problem, that's the problem. We never look to say, okay, God, I'm the problem. What do I do about it, right? We do not wrestle, the Bible tells us, against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, the reason that I had you turn here is because, as I said, as I'm pointing out, the battle that we deal with is not an external battle, but rather an internal battle. Remember, we talked last week about that subject that I keep bringing up to you again this morning, being carnally minded or being spiritually minded. We got a little deeper into it last week. And carnally minded is when we are focusing primarily on external things. We become carnally minded when we focus on external things. And being spiritually minded is not being conformed to this world, but being transformed, like Romans 12, 1 says, by the renewing of our mind. So we renew our mind. So when the external battles come, when he or she or this or that does this to us, we look at it and we deal with it in a different way internally, right? Okay? So external problems, though, in this life are a given. Jesus said that we would have them, didn't he? He said, in this world, you will have tribulation." but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. So the answer, and I talked about that last week, is in Jesus, that we take on the mind of Christ, right? But the battle, again, that we must rage is not against these external things, but it's against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The spiritual darkness that does indeed exist all around us in this world, it wants to control you internally, right? And you can look around at the, and see in this world that misery loves company. Pretty much everybody reacts the same way to things and this happens, they get angry, this happens, right? But God wants us in a different place than that. He wants us not affected by this. He wants us to have peace. Taking no thought for tomorrow, as Jesus said, not worrying, having godliness with contentment and realizing that that is great gain, living a life of peace, right? But we must also realize that there are spiritual hosts of wickedness that do not want you to have this life of peace. This is where it kind of gets deep, right? And it kind of says, wait a minute, what does that mean? There's spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavens, like there, there are evil forces. Because remember, the Bible does teach us that right now, the God of this age, and I'm not saying capital G God, I'm saying small g God, Satan, he's the ruler of this present darkness right now. 
He's the one that wants to lead us away from God and distract us from God and not walk in the will of God and not have the peace of God ruling in our hearts, right? But if our minds, if our hearts and our minds on a daily basis are surrendered to God, then we will trust in the fact that he knows all, that he sees all, and that he will be faithful to complete the good work that he begun in us when we surrendered our lives to him. When we surrendered our lives to him, he had a plan. He was going to direct our, our path now. And we can, be, we can rest assured that he's going to do that, right? We don't have to make our own way through this life because we have a Lord that is over us and that is in control. But Isaac, back in Genesis, he felt the need to lie here like his dad did. He thought that his future would be affected in some way if he didn't step up and devise a story that altered his future. He would lose his life. He was worried about losing his life or his wife, whatever. So he came up with this rather than trusting in God. And this is how we can interfere with the work of God in our lives when we're not surrendered to him. And this lie that Isaac told again, it came from within him. His own carnal mind made up that story so that he could protect what was his and control his future. But we must understand that this is not how the Lord wants us to live this life. He wants us to live this life where, like I said, where, like Jesus said, we take no thought for tomorrow. We don't worry about it. We simply just stay focused on the kingdom of God and continuing to walk in his will. And I'm telling you, so much of professing Christianity today is missing this. They're missing this piece, right? A daily walk with God where we seek his will above all else, above all else. And I have all else in in quotations here because it must be all that we surrender to Jesus. Every aspect, everything of our lives, right? The Father God knows that we have need of things. Jesus told us that too. He's not saying you don't need things. He says the Father knows that you have need of these things, but just make this your priority, seeking God first, right? So what we are to do then is to press on every day, daily get out of bed and surrender our lives to God and to his will. Seek him with all of our hearts, desire spiritual gifts. I would ask how many of you that know the Lord and that are seeking the Lord in your life are seeking the spiritual gifts that the Bible talks about, desiring to walk in those gifts. And, and, and be used by God, right? Shunning the world more and more, seeking the spiritual things more and more, right? Yes, I know we have jobs to go to. We have to raise our children. We have to honor our marriages. We have to take care of our bodies. And all of this we do to the glory of God, but our priority must be seeking the will of God in all of it, right? Because he has begun this work within us and he will complete it. There is no need for us to give in to our carnal minds that are attacked in many different ways by the spiritual hosts of wickedness that exist in this life. But instead, what are we to do? We saw it there in Ephesians as well. We put on the armor of God. We put on the full armor of God. For what reason? Why would the Bible tell us 
that it's like a war we're going at, right? Why do we need to put on the full armor of God? So that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The devil wants to trick you. He wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal your joy. He doesn't want you focused on Jesus. He wants you to live a life of worry and fear and doubt and all of these things. But when we put on the full armor of God, then we can know the will of God and we can fight this battle in our lives, right? The battle that is for our minds, right? Being a follower of Christ is not a spectator sport. It is a battle. It takes daily diligence and commitment to to see that we live out the word of God, right? To display that we truly are disciples of Christ and that we truly are not of this world. Right? That we do not conform to what the spiritual host of wickedness are trying to impress upon our minds, but instead we take the time to apply Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 in our lives where it says that we are to meditate on things that are true, things that are noble, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely, of good report, virtuous things, praiseworthy things. That's what Philippians chapter 4, 8 tells us, right? Do you meditate on these things? Is our lives focused on these kind of things? Do we seek with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength to not allow into our thoughts things that are contrary to the word of God? Do we fight this battle? And I would take a mental note of that scripture or write it down and, and read it this week. Philippians chapter four, verse eight, and evaluate your life based on it and say, is this where I am? Is this where my mind is? Is this the kind of things that I'm focused on, right? Spend some time asking yourself, or this, is this what my life is all about, right? Again, this is the life that God has for us. It's written in his word. So it's where he wants us to be and it's how he wants us to live, right? So again, these things are not external things, right? And this life of absolute surrender, remember when Jesus taught the disciples to pray? He said, pray in this manner. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's that Jesus was teaching them submission right there. Surrender to God, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's not, oh God, let me have this. Oh God, let me have my will. Oh God, let me have my desires. Let me have this. No, God, it's your kingdom come, your will be done, right? And again, these are, we're talking about internally, where we are internally, right? And I know I say that to to you all a lot, but we've got to come to grips with the fact that this is a daily battle we must fight. Because as long as we live this life, as long as we desire to seek God and to know his will, there will be spiritual hosts of wickedness that will never stop warring against your minds and trying to get you committed to the things of this world. And if you want a spiritual mind as opposed to a carnal mind, then you gotta realize that if garbage goes in, garbage comes out. That, it, that, you know, there's that old uh, children's Sunday school song that says, be careful little minds, or what does it say? Be careful little ears what you hear. Be careful little eyes what you see. 
Right? Well, that applies to us big people minds as well. We've got to be careful what we see, what we hear, what we allow into our thoughts. We've got to have a filter that says, what is this trying to tell me that I'm looking at right now or that I'm hearing, that I'm seeing? What is it trying to teach me? Is it in line with the word of God or is it contrary to the word of God? And we must make a decision at that point that says, no, it's contrary to the word of God. So even though everyone else is doing it and everyone else wants me to do it, I'm not doing it because I'm taking this stand to not live in that way. Why? Because I want peace. I want joy. I want contentment. I don't want what the spiritual hosts of wickedness try to feed me in this life. I'd rather be, I want my mind to be renewed on the things of God. Because all too often, any one of us can fall into the trap of thinking that we need to be in control. We've got to set up our lives the way we want it. You know, we've got to seek after this or that. You know, how many times do we hear people say, you know, if I just had this amount of money, be it I got it this way or that way, however it came about, if I just had this amount of money, I could just do this, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. And if you think about that, right, that makes money God. Because money determines, well, if I have this money, then money is God because money now opens the door for me to do all the things I want to do. But that's not God. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and mammon because either you will love one and hate the other, right? Kind of missing the quote of that right now. But you know the point, right? You, you can't put that as your priority, right? But money can very easily become our God in this life because we say, well, if I had it, it opens the doors for this, 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 and this. Instead of saying, no, your kingdom come, your will be done. What do you want for me? How do you want me to live? And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But as we turn back to Genesis chapter 26, now, Isaac did not need to do this. That's all I'm saying. He did not need to concoct this story because he had a God that was in control. He had a God that already had promised his father what was going to happen. And I'm sure that was passed on to Isaac. And as we, we will see as we go on here, that even though Isaac told the lie, the truth will be revealed as it always is. It always is. And in verse 8 of Genesis 26, Now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw, and there was Isaac showing endearment to Rebekah, his wife. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Quite obviously she is your wife. So how could you say she is my sister? And Isaac said to him, because I said, lest I die on account of her. So what was Isaac's focus? What was he focused on there? He was focused on himself, wasn't he? His motives were selfish. It was all about him, wasn't it? Now, it's easy for me to, to say that this morning, not being in Isaac's sandals, but I think we can learn from this and ask the question, well, what if Isaac, right, instead of making up this story about his wife, what if he simply just would have said, I am a child of the Most High God. I trust in him. I will not fear what man can do to me because God is in control. So instead of making up the lie and taking that route, he instead said something like that. 
Or he said, I know that God has a plan for my life and he is on the throne, so I will tell the truth and know that he will take care of me instead of making up this lie. Psalm 118.6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do to me. And you see, that's the key, is that we stand firm in the fact that the Lord is on our side. He is our Lord. He's in control, right? And is that what your faith tells you today? Is this the way you make your decisions, knowing that God is in control and that he will take care of you? Now, look, I I know that, and it's hard today, because I know that we live in a social media, selfie, selfish society today, right? But the Lord never wants us to where we live or we have an attitude where it's all about us. Or we're saying, what about me? That kind of attitude. A what can I get out of this life attitude. An attitude that says, I want to chase after this world and the things of this world. That's not what God has for us. It's the direct opposite, right? One part of the gospel that's left out of many Christians' lives today is the fact that we must die to ourselves and we must take up the cross and we must follow after the Lord. That's left out of a lot of gospel preaching today. And in, and in Philippians chapter 2, we are told to let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. That's what Philippians chapter 2 tells us. And it goes on to say that, speaking of that, it says this was the mind of Christ. That's how Christ lived. Right? That's the way he thought. Right? And we are disciples of Christ, so our minds shouldn't be on selfish ambitions either. Buy, sell, get gain. Didn't James talk about that in the book of James? He said, go to now you who say, tomorrow we'll move to such and such city, buy, sell, get gain. Right? He says, no, no, no. What you ought to say is if it be the Lord's will, I'll do this or that. But oftentimes we're the captain of our own ship and we just say, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to have this. I'm planning my life. I'm making my way through this world instead of saying, no, no, no. If it's your will, God, I'll do this or that. Right? But we shouldn't be trying to build our own kingdom, right? We should be concerned about the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come. That's what should rule and reign in our lives. And we should be thinking of ourselves as Jesus thought about himself, taking care of others, thinking about others, thinking about the will of God above all else. But we see that Isaac, again, he felt the need to lie. And then we see, we see the reason for his lie there in verse nine. Then in verse 10, And Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might have, might soon have lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt on us. So Abimelech charged all his people saying, he who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. So we see there in verses 10 and 11 that the ungodly man Abimelech had to clean up after the lie of the godly man Isaac. 
And this is a sad thing that we need to make sure is not the case in our lives because we are ambassadors for Christ in this life. And we should not let ourselves be known for bad behavior as falling into the ways of the world and then the world looking at us and saying, hypocrite, right? Hypocrite, right? We should be seen as peculiar people, the Bible says, strangers, pilgrims, just passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven and we live like it. We live differently. But Isaac's life will move on here. And from a material standpoint, he will become very wealthy. Picking it up in verse 12, it says, then Isaac sowed in that land and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continue it continued prospering until he became very prosperous for he had possessions of flock and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Now I want to pause here and point out something to you about all this wealth that Isaac had. And what I want you to take notice of here was his wealth, what, what, what it was made up of. Right, Verse 14 tells us there that he had flocks and herds and servants. And this represents a working farm. Right, He was a man of the field. He was a working man. He didn't just get all that he had for nothing. He didn't just sit back. Right, There was labor involved in what he did. So he had to work to get it. Yes, God blessed him in his work, but he worked to get it. Right, And again, unfortunately, Today, we live in a society of sluggardness. Everybody wants something for nothing. Many people don't want to work hard and be diligent today, right? And we now live in a nation that is declining as a result of this. People want a handout. They just want the quick and easy fix. They just want everything to hit it big. All of a sudden, their ship to come in, right? Hit the big jackpot or whatever, right? For what reason, though? so they can live a selfish life and do whatever they want to do. But again, this is not the way of the person of God who seeks after the will of God, okay? We say, God, what do you want me to do? And then if God blesses us, like we see here, well, then we live in accordance with that. God blessed us with this, but it was by the work of our hands and we give accordingly, right? Proverbs 10:4 says, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. And then Proverbs 10, 5, the very next verse says, he who gathers crops in the summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during the harvest is a disgraceful son, right? Again, our society today, though, is kind of becoming the opposite. It's a selfish, lazy society, and that's contrary to what we see in the word of God. And it should not describe us as people of Jesus Christ, right? That's a very worldly mentality. And you know, when you put it all together, it makes for an enviable picture. Like the Philistines envied Isaac here for all that he had worked for and all that God had blessed him with. 
So from a practical standpoint, we honor God in our lives, we work hard, we count it as a blessing from God as it was for Isaac, as it was for his father Abraham as well. Then our minds are not consumed by the things of this world and we are to be content with the things that we have as we talked about last week and as I mentioned earlier. And if then again, like I said, if we end up with an excess, in other words, we have an abundance, we have more than we need, well then we don't just think of about our own needs, like we read in Philippians. We think about the needs of others. We take the mind of Christ. And we're not just concerned with our own needs, but we seek to help others as well. Now, will the world love you if you're a person of God? Right? Will the world try and come alongside of you and help you as a servant of God? No, they will not. Look at what the Philistines did to Isaac starting in verse 15. Now the Philistines had stopped up the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they had filled them with earth. So they filled them up with dirt, right? And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us for you are much mightier than we. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. So, As I read that, I say, you know, if you're living in a godly manner, as we've discussed this morning, the world will be against you and will want to get rid of you. They don't want to hear about your God. They don't want to hear you praise your God and thank your God and all that. Matter of fact, in our society today, they're taking God out of everything, out of schools, out of prayer, out of games, all everything, right? They're taking him out of everything, right? But the world will envy the way that you live but they won't want anything to do with you. They want to get rid of you, as we see here, right? And oftentimes, if the world likes you and you fit in well in this world, you got to wonder, are you living in the way of the word, in the ways of God, right? Because Jesus told his disciples that if they hated him, they would hate his disciples as well. Because the disciples of Jesus were going to go forward and preach Jesus and then live in accordance with his ways, as we see in the New Testament, right? And we see that this is the way we should be living as well. But what do we do when the world hates us? What do we do when things happen against us? You know, life, our wells get stopped up, you know, in life, however you want to portray that in your own life, right? What do we do? Well, we keep pressing on. We keep digging. And that's what Isaac does. He just keeps digging. Verse 18, And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which which his father had called them. Also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well and they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. So what we get a picture of there in verses 18 through 22 is a picture of perseverance. 
Just keep on keeping on in the name of the Lord. Keep working hard. There will be doors that will close. There will be opposition in this life. But we must not become like the world around us. We must just move on as servants of the Most High God. Keep digging. Keep going. Keep working through this life. And again, we see in these verses a picture of hard work. Isaac just didn't sit around and sit still, right? Laziness breeds nothing, but activity breeds activity. And the hand of the diligent will bear rule. In labor there is profit. God had a plan for Isaac, but Isaac had to keep digging. There was something he had to do. He had to keep digging his way through this life. But God still had the plan. And it was God that he counted the one that's blessing him. Verse 23 Then he went up from there to Beersheba and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord and he pitched his tent there and there Isaac's servants dug a well. Okay, so once again, we see the favor of God upon the life of Isaac. God's plan will be performed in his life. Verse 26, Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar and Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Phicol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me since you hate me and you have sent me away from you? But they said, We have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So he said, Let there be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you and since we have done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast and they ate and drank. Then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath with one another and Isaac sent them away and they departed from him in peace. So Again, on most days, the world is against the servants of God. But at times, there are those that will recognize the work of the Lord in your life and they'll respect you for it. But in reality, what they are respecting or maybe even fearing is not you, but the favor of God upon your life that we see, like we see here. You see, some people are smart enough to not fight against the work of God in a person's life even though they themselves are not seeking it. These men here saw the favor of God upon Isaac, a hard-working man that honored God with his life. You know, Proverbs chapter 16. I was going to have you turn there, but for the sake of time, I'm not. Proverbs chapter 16 in verse 7 says, When a man's ways are pleasing with the Lord, he makes his enemies live at peace with him. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes his enemies be at peace with him. And isn't that what we see with Isaac and Abimelech here? And the key there is that our ways are to be pleasing with the Lord. Now, I'm going to wrap it up here soon. But this is the key that I really want you to see, that we need to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord, right? Because, and in order to be pleasing in the eyes of the Lord, we must be spiritually minded people. If we're carnally minded people, we'll be pleasing in the eyes of the world, right? But we need to seek after what the Lord wants us to seek after, not what the world wants us to seek after. 
right? If you, if you float down the same stream with the rest of the world, the, the, the stream that they float down, yeah, they'll love you for sure. But with our God, we must aim to please Him. And He'll make a way for us to have peace, right? Peace within our hearts and also peace in the world around us. But again, our focus must be on our ways being pleasing to the Lord. And who cares what the world has to offer? Because God is our provider and we seek Him, right? Because in that same chapter of Proverbs 16, it goes on to say, Better is little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. Better is little with righteousness than great gain with injustice. It says in verse 9 of Proverbs 16, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines our steps. So you see, the Lord won't be determining our steps, though, unless we're desiring to live in a righteous manner. Right? We must live in a manner that is pleasing to Him, and then He directs our steps. Right? So righteous living does matter. And if we're trying to get ahead in this life in the same way the world around us is, then there will be no blessing from God. And like I read in verse 8 of Proverbs 16, it's better to have little and be righteous than to have everything and be get, coming about it in the wrong way because that will steal your peace. And back in here in Genesis 26, verse 32, it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug and said to him, we have found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. So let's just briefly pause right there because again, we are still getting the picture here of how much Isaac is being blessed by God in this life. But you know, and this is the way this life is, right? Even when it seems like everything is going well for us, it's going good for Isaac here. And it can happen like that in our lives, right? It seems to be all going well, but then there's still problems, right? And we'll see there's still problems in Isaac's life. Verse 34, when Esau was 40 years old, he took as wives um, Judith, the daughter of Berah, the Hittite, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. So Isaac and Rebekah had two sons, Jacob and Esau, right? Esau took two wives, okay? And this was never a situation that God ever ordained, even from the very beginning. He never ordained that situation. It was one man, one woman from the very beginning. But these two daughter-in-laws of Isaac and Rebekah were a pain in the butt to them. That's my translation there when it says they were of grief of mind. <laughs> they were a pain in the butt, okay? So it's not always easy street in this life. There are problems in this life. And we've seen that as we've gone through these Old Testament scriptures in Genesis, right? But what we must do is continue to walk by faith and not by sight and, and trust and realize that he who has begun a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. And we must be diligent to keep our minds stayed on him to walk in righteousness and always keeping in mind that there's a battle for the allegiance of our minds. 
There's a battle, right? There is a way that we are to live that God offers us. There is a way that we, are, that we can live that this world offers to us. And often that way seems right. Like Proverbs says, there is a way that seems right to, to men, but the end thereof is the way of death, right? But the way to peace and contentment, the way to righteous living requires that we actively turn our eyes off of ourselves and off of this world around us. And we understand that our carnal minds, our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. His thoughts are are much higher than ours. And we surrender to that. And then we live like we are truly disciples of Jesus. And our, our lives will then begin to display that attitude that says, not my will, but your will be done, God. And as Christians, this is the life, everything that I'm teaching, slash preaching to you today, this is what the word of God calls us to. Absolute surrender, total surrender, every aspect of our lives. Not seeking the world, but seeking after God and the things that he shows us in his word. And, and having that, that, that attitude, like I said, not my will, but your will be done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you, God, for your word. Lord, it challenges us, Lord. It hits us hard. It makes us realize that we need to grow. But Lord, there's no time like the present. Lord, when we look at your word and we, we see your word, we can do one of two things. We can look at it your, your perfect word, and we can walk away and forget it, or we can look at it and then become a doer of it. And I pray for each one of our hearts here, Lord, and, and you know us better than we know each other, Lord. Man looks upon the outward appearance, but you look upon the heart, Lord. So as we look at each other, we really don't even know each other the way that you know us. You know us in a deep and a personal and an intimate way. And I pray, Lord, that by your spirit, you will just work in our innermost being and that you would bring us to that place in our lives on a daily basis where we seek you first. We make that decision to become diligent to say, I'm not seeking this world. I'm seeking what God has. And then it's not like you don't provide those things. You do. We just count them as blessings from you when they come. But our priority and our focus is you. So I pray, Lord, for each and every one of our hearts, Lord, that that would be the case. And as we go forward now into a new week and each one of us will go our own ways and do our own things in the week to come, but Lord, we don't go alone. We go with Christ in us, our hope of glory. So be glorified in our lives, Lord. With each and every breath we take, may we honor you. And and even as as I prayed earlier, Lord, may we be a people of praise whose your praise will, is continually on our lips, Lord. So help us to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, Lord. Because again, apart from you, we can do nothing. Without the power of your Holy Spirit, we are nothing. So we thank you again for this time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.